Thank you so much for sharing um, with us this evening. Um, whose report will you believe? Reverend Tokes have actually answered all our questions. So while you were talking, you were actually answering all most of the questions. But you know, for formality's sake, I'll still read out the questions and then um, Reverend Tokes will give us answers to them. Okay, question one here. Please, sir, how can we help believers who think they have been born with unnatural affection and God made them like that? Okay. First thing, the way to help them is to show them what the word of God says, that they weren't born with it. They weren't born with it. That's a lie from the pits of hell. That's a lie from the pits of hell. I'm going to read from Romans chapter 1. And I'll read from verse 20. It says, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto, made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the loss of their own hearts. Now these are men who weren't born again. So it's talking about, notice he called it uncleanness, through the loss, actually spiritual death, the unregenerate spirit, now brought forth these desires, these cravings to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use. Notice he said they changed, they changed. So it's not the natural use, it's a change and they changed it. Did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, walking that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them up to a reprobate mind, a mind void of judgment, to do those things which are not convenient. So it's... it's um. It's, it's a loss of the unregenerate heart, the unregenerate heart, but it's called uncleanness. Now in Galatians 5 verse 19, the Bible says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, uh, uh, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, goes ahead to list idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, various emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, and so on. So you see, uncleanness is what it is. It's a function of the unregenerate human heart. Now, it's a work of the flesh. You weren't born like that. God didn't make you like that. It's a perversion. It's unnatural. It's unnatural. God didn't wire you to be that way. I'll say this. When it comes to homosexuals or lesbians, one thing which is the greatest thing we must do to help them. See, God didn't tell us to go and tell the sinner to change his conduct. God told us to tell the sinner to receive Jesus. So what we are to preach to the sinner is Jesus. Now, if somebody is a believer, yes, we'll need to tell him about right conduct. We'll need to tell him about renewing his mind, presenting his body. Now, we, don't, we never want to hate on people. We never want to condemn people. We never... Uh, Yes, that person who chatted that they directly that they need help, we've taken the number and someone's going to reach the person. Someone's going to reach the person. Thank you so much. Someone's going to reach the person. Yeah, so we never want to come and flog the person and whip the person. That wouldn't work. What's going to work is we need to love on them. Be firm about what is wrong. If the person is a sinner, what, what we need to preach to the sinner is Jesus. Don't start telling him, this is your homosexuality. This is your, the, mm -mm. Just preach Jesus to him. He died for you, was raised from the dead. Receive him into your heart. When he does that, then his spirit gets recreated. Then he's born again spirit now. We now start telling him, no, you shouldn't do that. That's not right. That's not wrong. Uh, 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 th th that's wrong. 
you know, and now he can now have the empowerment to do what is right. If it's a believer, you want to tell him, look, this is what the word of God says about this. You want to tell him the importance of him renewing his mind. You want to tell him, look, that stuff is a lie. It's contrary to the word of God. God did not make you like that. It's against nature. So it can't be right. So what we use to help them is God's word. We hold them up to the word of God and we love them. We must take a stand against sin, but we love the person. Praise God. So I guess that's how I'll answer that. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Question two. What do we do when we always feel sad, alone, depressed, and it seems to be as a result of our personality and no one understands us? Okay. What do we me, do? Okay, let me say this. See, one of the greatest lies the devil has sold to the modern world today is this personality thing. Yeah, yeah. no doubt there are personality types. There are different. There's a disc profile. D, I, C, uh, S, C. There's that. Sanguine, uh, phlegmatic, choleric, you know. Uh, different personality types are different, no doubt. But listen up. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ is a new creature, all things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You see, all that stuff is physical, right? The real you is a recreated spirit. So when you now think that uh, it's just my personality type, I'm just sad all the time. Nothing is wrong, but it's just my personality type. Listen, it's not true. That's not your personality. The real you, the Bible says the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the born again human spirit is love, joy, peace. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith or faithfulness, meekness, temperance. And it says against such there's no law. Galatians 5, 22 to 24. So joy is really a part of your personality, your actual makeup. Joy. That one that my makeup is just that I'm moody is a lie. It's not your makeup. That's a feeling. That's a feeling. The real you has joy on the inside. Yes, there may be something about your natural personality or, or, or and maybe some experiences you've gone through in life. Maybe uh, your upbringing. Maybe there may be things in the natural, in your natural makeup that make you somewhat disposed towards that. But what are you to do about that? Galatians 5.16 says, This I say then, walk in the spirit. And ye shall not fulfill the loss of the flesh. Let your born again human spirit dominate you. So rather than accepting it that, you know, you know, I'm just moody. No, you are not moody. Yeah. Yeah. D.L. Moody, there was a man by the name D.L. Moody. Even he wasn't moody. Are you listening? Yeah. You are not moody. You are joyful. So what do you do? You give expression to the joy of the Lord on your inside. And then have you noticed that when it comes to feelings, your feelings have a lot to do with what you are thinking about. Your emotions will follow your thought process. If you start thinking about the negative side of life, how this person doesn't like you, how that person doesn't like you, how life hasn't been fair to you, how circumstances haven't been fair to you, you start feeling bad. You start feeling yeah. down. But you start thinking, I'm loved by God. I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm blessed of the Lord. I'm the apple of his eye. I'm compassed with favor as a shield. Joy, that joy that's on the inside of you, in your spirit will bubble up. So joy is not a feeling. Happiness is based on circumstances, but joy is not. The Bible yeah. says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. It's a decision to rejoice. You can rejoice and you can choose not to rejoice. But listen, choose to rejoice. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much, sir. Question three. How can you help a Christian who is suicidal? Well, first, don't you want to get around that person. Don't let the person be alone. Don't let the person be alone. It's when they're alone that they can do stuff. They can harm themselves. They can do all that stuff. So you want to get around the person. Get people around the person. Don't let them be alone by themselves. Then we need to change the person's thinking. He's thinking on the wrong side of life. Something is making him suicidal. He's despondent. He can't see a better tomorrow. He has lost not just faith. He has lost hope. So what we need to do is to put hope in him first and then put faith in him. It's God's word we use. 
we speak the right words around that person. We speak encouragement around that person. We love on that person. We love on that person. When people, people want to die, when they feel like there's nothing in this world, nothing to live for, nobody likes me, no, everybody is against me, everything is working against me, people have wronged me. But when they start seeing love, when they get touched by love, it begins to open up their hearts and just be there for the person. Just be there for the person. Sometimes there are evil spirits that are behind that societal thing. And the person needs to be firm. You see, one of the things about when it comes to these mental things is this. You can't, you can't be minimalted about dealing with some of these things. A fellow needs to take his stand and be firm and say, in the name of Jesus, I stand my ground. Do you understand? So surround the person with love. Surround the, let people be around the person. And then in an atmosphere of worship, in an atmosphere of praise, if you can get good Christian music around the person, if you can get the person, make sure the person is around people, goes to church regularly, and then put the word of God inside that person. There was a fellow on Twitter who got a hold of me years ago. You know, he was about to kill himself. Somehow, for some reason, he just got a hold of me. Well, years after he messaged me and thanked me, he said, look, his life turned around. Things had gone wrong. Things had gone bad. He had, couldn't see any future anymore. But I told him that's a lie of the devil. Then I uh, got somebody to go check on that person and to uh, someone physical he can see, he can reach, who was in the city where the person was, and the person's life turned around. One other time, I was in a meeting. There was a fellow right there. He said he was going right after the meeting to go and kill himself. But right there, God arrested him, and things mm -hmm. turned around for him. So the way to help such people... We love on them. We get the people around them. We get them in an atmosphere that's positive of joy and praise. And we just talk them. Talk him out of dying. Talk him out of dying. Talk him out of giving up. And just, and the way to do it, don't try to use natural things and say, hey, but look at uh, Benga, your brother now. Benga loves you. Uh, look at Tito. Tito now. Tito cares about you. Uh, your, but your fiancé is also there. Uh, don't just use the word of God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're a brand new creature. You're a brand new man. You are accepted in the beloved. God is for you. If God be for us, who can be against us? He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. You will live and not die. Declare the works of the Lord. In the land of the living. You know, just keep speaking the word of God. Talk the person out of dying. And you use the word of God. See, death and life and the power of the tongue. And they that yeah. love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Somebody who wants mm -hmm. to die, he talked himself to, into it. The way to get him not to die is to talk him out of it. And get him to talk himself out of it. And give him something to live for. Sometimes, we may also need to practically help them. You know, somebody is hungry. He hasn't eaten. He doesn't have a job. He doesn't have anything he's doing. Because of that, everything is against him. So after praying for people, some people sometimes, just giving them a little money and just showing them some little love. And just, you know, that is a, that's practical Christianity that helps them be helped. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, sir. I believe we're experiencing deliverance already in this meeting. This is actually a deliverance service for a lot of people. And we give God glory for the privilege and opportunity. Okay, we have more questions coming in here. We have um, somebody asking a question. Please, Reverend Tooks, address the place of childhood trauma. Okay. Childhood trauma. People go through stuff while they are young is a fact. But this is it. I'll read Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Verses 13 and 14. Now, one of the things when it comes to helping people is this. You never want to, we never want to make them sound like what they are going through is not real. We never want to make them sound like something is wrong with them for going through what they are going through. Even though actually something is actually wrong with them. The thing that's why they're where they are. But we don't want to put them down. We don't want to make them feel bad. We don't want to make light of their problem. It's a problem for them. It's a problem. You know, that's how they feel about it. And it's okay. We just want to love on them. And we just want to help them. You see, loving people 
helps people a great deal. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. It says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You see, you need to go to what exactly was that trauma? Was it a trauma of you saw abuse? And because you saw abuse, you grew up in a home that it was abusive. Someone used to beat somebody. Maybe your mommy used to beat your daddy or your daddy used to be your mommy or they both used to beat each other. You know, you grew up, that's traumatic. Or maybe you were molested. Or maybe you... Now, to just tell people, forget about it, is not the thing. We need to go, yes, this happened. We're not going to deny that it happened. We're not going to act like it didn't happen. If somebody treated you wrong, you need to tell the person, we need to face up to it. You see, there was this lady, she was in her 20s, she was married. Uh, it's been about two years. She couldn't consummate her wedding. Her husband couldn't have sex with her, couldn't have carnal knowledge of her. So she wanted him to divorce. She wanted him to leave. She felt like she was making life unbearable for him. Then she came to the altar and she was just in agony crying with deep pain. Brother Higgins said he went to preach in that church. When he heard the way that lady was screaming in pain, he said, my God, whatever this lady is going through must be deep. Oh God, please help me. How can I help her? As soon as he said that, he had a vision. He saw what happened. So he told the pastor, he said, that lady, she remember here, he said, yes. He said, I believe I can help her, but I'd like you and your wife to be there. You see, that's good ethics while I talk with her. So got her in the pastor's office. And then he said, this is what happened. While you were a little girl, about nine years old, you were coming from school one day. And when you got to the house, you saw your mother in bed with another man. As soon as he said that, the lady shouted, how did you know what happened? How did you know that's what happened? You must be a mind reader. You must be a fortune teller. How did you know? How did you know? See, that was the source of the problem. Then he now said, when you saw that, that thing cost her mother was in bed with another man who wasn't the husband, you know, wasn't her father. So that thing opened for a nine-year-old. It made an impression, not just in her mind. An evil spirit actually went and took a hold of her, got a hold of her, and began to oppress her, even in her spirit, as a little girl. Then she got born again. When she got born again, there can't be a demon in a Christian spirit. So it couldn't be in her spirit. But it was now in her soul. And it, where that area, where uh, uh, sex in marriage was concerned, or where sex generally was concerned, that demon had gone to cause an oppression in that area. So she just couldn't consummate the wedding. That was where it came from. So Brother Higgin now said, all right, look, that's what happened. The Spirit of God showed him. Some psychologists could have been trying to deduce and deduce, but thank God for the Holy Ghost. The anointing is, is, is invaluable. You know, he's just... It makes the anointing destroys the yoke. It makes a big difference. Just in a moment of time, the help that people need. Praise God. Thank God we are not without the Holy Ghost in helping people. So explain to her what your mom did was wrong. But you see, this is what the Bible says about sex and marriage. He read it to her and showed her from God's word. Then in the name of Jesus, he took authority over that demon that was oppressing her soul. By the next year, she had had a baby boy. They named him Kenneth. Their marriage turned around. Everything worked out fine. So what am I saying? Sometimes there are things in the past that happened. Don't deny them. You see, sometimes what people do is that they try to walk away from that thing. They try to dodge it. They try to avoid it. Some other people try to go on social media and call that person out. My uncle or my daddy did this to me. You know, we had one case like that in social media some years back or someone who came out and said her daddy did stuff you know and sometimes people say that they are doing that to bring closure oh that won't probably bring closure that's probably just going to mess things up some more you know so don't deny that it happened face up to it hmm? if you want to help a person like that it happened and then such and such did this to you such and such did that to you they did wrong we need to face up to it. This wasn't right. We need to let the person know that, yes, what this, it wasn't okay. It was wrong. Wrong is wrong. It's not right. Then we need to tell the person, sometimes you may need to tell the person, I'm sorry that you went through what you went through. Look, it should be the person that did it that does that. But sometimes the person that did it doesn't want to do that or is even dead or is even 
just as mean, you know, whatever. So you tell the person, look, we're sorry you went through that. We just love on the person. That wasn't right. That wasn't okay. You weren't treated right. But you know something? You can't be a victim of your past. What you're going to do is that you're going to have to forgive that person. And sometimes the childhood trauma could have been you. You need to forgive yourself as well. So don't deny it. Don't dodge it. Don't sweep it under the rug. Face up to it. This happened. This was it. Now, what does the word of God say about it? This is what the word of God says about me now. I'm now going to, your spirit is reborn. There's no trace of it in your spirit. But some of those things are probably still in your soul. And there could even be scars of the childhood trauma still existing in your body. Now, we dive into the word of God. We now receive with meekness God's word, which has the power to heal, to deliver, to protect, to make whole our soul. I'll also say something. If you're going through depression, eh? if you're going through some mental challenge, if you're going through some situation, don't keep it to yourself. Speak up. Speak up. Look for someone you can talk to. Look for someone you can open up with. If you're an alumnus, don't feel bad. People will say, hey, hold me. Listen, hey, hold you is going through it. And so it's just another opportunity to get victory. Get help. Talk to someone who can help you. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. Talk to someone. I want to really appreciate everyone sending in their questions. I encourage you to also send in your testimonies as well, because I know that as Reverend Talks is speaking, you're getting your deliverance and your healing. Praise the Lord. More questions still coming in here. We have another question. Can one help an illiterate woman who is sick using healing scriptures read in English language, which she may not understand let's get let's get um the scriptures in Yoruba in the language the person understands whatever language because otherwise it won't make any sense to our spirit it's tongues to her you know the bible says he's a speaker and an unknown tongue edifies himself but he that prophesies edifies the church so because the person doesn't understand he won't edify them he won't edify them thank you. thank you so much um more questions when binding and casting spirits, where do we send them to? What's the appropriate way to end a prayer that is binding and casting the devil and demons? Is it in hell or a place? Now, we can't send the devil. We can't send the devil to hell now. We can't send demons to hell now. Until Adam's lease runs out, the devil has a right. To be on the earth. So even if you say, I cast you out, I bind you in the bottomless pit. The bottomless pit is not even yet habited. You know, is later, you know, that hell will now be cast and all its occupants will now be cast at the bottomless pit. So you can't send the devil to hell now. If you send the demon to hell, yes, it will obey you. But as soon as it got there, it will come back on the earth. So just say in the name of Jesus, come out. That's all. Where did Jesus send the demons he cast out? He just cast them out. He just told them to leave. That's all. The devil will still be here on this earth. He has a right to be here until Adam's lease runs out. You know, sometimes you hear people say, I send you to the dry places. I send you to the, when he gets there, he will look for rest. The Bible says, on unclean street is gone out of man. He goes to dry place seeking rest and finds none. He will never find rest. So he will still try to come back to where it was before. Okay. I can see a question um, here. Please. Okay. Please, can you address more dealing with handling the loss of a sibling and finding it difficult to let go with the loss. She passed on to glory. Uh, a believer that stood on the word of God for her healing to the last minute. Okay. I tell you, this is one that is, um, it causes a lot of, a lot of, um, there are many things involved in it. Part of what you are struggling with is, I believe God and God, or this person believed God. We all believed God, but God did not come through. Yeah. You may not be saying it, but that's it. She believed God. He believed God. We believed God. God did not come through. The person still died. First and foremost, I want to say this. I'm so sorry you lost that loved one. I'm so sorry. You know, the Bible says we're to rejoice with those who rejoice and we're to mourn with those who mourn. Sometimes some people make it sound like it's a sin to cry. Listen, it's not a sin to cry. Some people make it sound like it's a sin to mourn. It's not a sin to mourn. You know, 
The Bible says we're to mourn with those who mourn. There's nothing wrong with going and crying. You know, some, some people have lost loved ones and then they are, you know, then someone will come and say, ah, she's so strong. She's encouraging everybody. The people that have been there to comfort her, she's the one encouraging them. It's not a mark of strength necessarily. Are you listening? Sometimes eh, when I've seen people act so tough, do macho, they lose a loved one who was very dear to them. But then they, you, they, you just see them calm as if nothing happened. Sometimes they're in shock. Sometimes they're bottling the emotions. I've seen some of them, two years down the line, they have a mental breakdown because they refuse to let go, let out the emotions. See, even Jesus, eh, when Lazarus died, Jesus wept. He knew he was going to raise him up, but he still wept. He was human. Yes, I know you're a spirit, but listen, my guy, you have a soul, and there's nothing wrong. And someone says, well, the Bible says we shouldn't, we shouldn't uh, sorrow. The Bible doesn't say we shouldn't sorrow. It says you shouldn't sorrow like those who don't have hope. Nothing wrong with sorrowing. Paul talked about, about Epaphroditus in Philippians 2, 25 to 30. And he said, if that guy died, he, the mighty man of faith and power, sent and called with the message for the hour, he would have had sorrow upon sorrow. So there's nothing wrong with mourning and missing that loved one. Now, the thing is this, that loved one, eh, there's, you know, there's nothing, the comforter is the Holy Spirit. He inspired the scriptures. The scriptures come as the best tool to comfort us. Let me tell you something. Brother Higgins said when um, uh, he had, from the visions he's had of heaven, he said he never feels sorry for a Christian who dies. He said no matter the age, that place, that place with streets of gold. You know, the Bible says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let me tell you, you see, all the tears we shed, and I've shed them too, over lost loved ones who passed on, they are selfish. If, if somebody told you that they got a better job, now they will be paying five times what they were earning before. Uh, now they have two cars, they have two cooks, they have a mansion that they live in, they have everything, life is just better, but it's just that you won't be able to see them until quite a, a number of years. And you now start crying, oh, so says, why are you crying? Say, it's my brother. So what are you crying for? He has gained, he has got a better job. He has got a better job. He has got a better job. He's living a better life. Oh, and we're, why are you crying? Because he's got a better job. Look, I've done it. I'm not condemning you. Hmm? You see, we feel our loss. The fact that you're not with that person now. Let me tell you something. You say that person believed God and then that person still died. Listen, eh? death, there can be victory even in death. I'll tell you something. Eh? I'll tell you something. I'm a faith man. I'm strong about teaching faith. Hmm? But listen, eh? and I'm strong about divine healing. But there's a way we can sometimes make it sound like the fellow that didn't receive his healing was an inferior Christian. That's a lie. It's not true. I'll tell you something. You don't know why some people did not receive their healing. You don't know why. You don't know why. One thing you should always tell yourself is, is the word of God works. If somebody did not receive, they did not make their connection somewhere. It's not God that is to be blamed. It's not God's fault. And listen, you don't know all the details. I'll tell you a real life story. Scott Webb. William Scott Webb. That's his full name. You know, uh, his daddy was sick in the hospital and um, it was terminal. He would go there to be with his dad and his dad will speak the word, will speak the word. And they were standing in faith together concerning the situation. So he thought we have this down path. Only for a short while after, same Reverend Scott Webb, Rayma grad, graduated in Rayma 1982. The same one that you know, you know, to Google him, you know, his daddy now died. He said he was devastated that his daddy died. So it was like, what went wrong? We were in faith here. I was believing God with him. He was in faith. He was standing his ground. What happened that he died? You know, so he was wondering what happened. His dad's lawyer called him. He said, there's something I need to tell you hmm, that you don't know. He said, your dad, to the best of your knowledge, your dad was believing God for his healing. He said, yes. He said, let me tell you this. Each time when you go to visit him, as you leave, your daddy will call me and he will say, Scott just left my hospital room. Hmm? He wants me to believe God for my healing. 
and I just have to humor him and seem to go along with him. Then the dad said, the truth is this, that he's going to die and he's ready to die. But if he doesn't do this, court will not let him be and will not let him rest. So he's going along with him and he's just humoring him so that Scott can let him be. The man really wanted to die. He didn't know that. We don't always know why somebody did not receive healing. We don't always know. And you see, eh, don't see it as defeat. Brother Hagin's sister, hmm? his sister, uh, Olita, his wife was Aretha's elder sister, the firstborn of their family, Olita. Olita had cancer. In 1963, when she had the cancer, she was going to die. She was 50 years old. He began to pray and believe God. And Jesus appeared to him and said, all right, between what I and the doctors will do, your sister will have five more years. Five years after, when she was 55, 1968, she had another kind of cancer, totally unrelated to the first one. He now began to pray about it. And the Lord told him, no. Philippians 121, that says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That that verse is just as much the word of God as Mark eleven twenty four is the word of God. Mark eleven twenty four says, "What things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them." But Mark eleven twenty four is not more anointed than Philippians one twenty one. They are all scripture. They are both the word of God. That to die is gain. He said, "Lord told him, say your sister is going to die. She's had five years. She's had five years. She didn't. She could have built a faith of her own. She didn't. She's going to die." Well, his sister died. While his sister died, now, there was a lady, Ginny Wilkerson. Ginny Wilkerson, and incidentally, I listened to that prophecy. I listened to that message, you know. Ginny Wilkerson told Brother Higgin earlier that year, you know, in a meeting. He said, in the fall of this year, you're going to have a, an experience. It's going to be similar to that of Enoch. The only difference is that Enoch went with his body. You won't go with your body. Somebody else is going to be involved with the experience with you. That was his brother, Dob. You're going to be caught up to heaven. Part of it is going to be vision. Part of it is going to be revelation. Well, the day his sister died, he got back, was lying down in bed, just thinking about the whole thing, remembering his own experience of dying. When all of a sudden, he saw a bright light, he was caught up to heaven. He got there, and then he saw his sister. His sister was talking with Jesus. And the moment they saw him, they stopped talking. And um, uh, his sister told him, he said, Kenneth, don't feel too badly about it that you couldn't pray the prayer of faith for me and get me healed. There was a reason for it. The sister didn't tell him the reason. Then Jesus told him, he said, you see, your sister didn't get healed, right? Why she didn't get healed, I didn't tell you. And I won't tell you. Because it's a secret between me and her. Hmm? Why she did not receive her healing is none of your business. It's none of your business. And Jesus now told him that, did you ever read in my word? Where it says the secret things belong to the Lord. Those that are revealed belong to us and to our children. Then he told Jesus, yes, that's Deuteronomy 29, 29. Jesus told him, yes. He said, divine healing is true. Faith in God's word is true. Continue to preach it like you have been. Continue to live it like you have been. Why your sister did not receive her healing? Leave it alone. Don't touch it in thought life. Don't go there. Don't touch it in thought life. There was a reason she didn't receive her healing. It was my will that she be healed. That was her, my best for her. She did not receive it. Why she didn't receive it is none of your business. If I wanted you to know, I would tell you. I didn't tell you, mind your business. Leave it alone. Don't touch it in thought life. Don't go there. Don't keep questioning it. Leave it alone. I hope that blesses you. Leave it alone. That loved one of yours is in the glory world. Is jumping up and down streets of gold. You see, eh? you know, so sometimes when we talk about faith, I have faith in God. My faith is strong. And we think having strong faith is just, uh, I can believe for healing. I can believe for money. I can believe. What about, I have strong faith in God. I believe God. I believe the Bible. The Bible says to live, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And because God said is gain, then is gain. The Bible talks about heaven. Look, eh? you live 200 years on this earth. You can't compare 200 years to 200,000 years. You can't compare 200 years to 200 million years. You will still enjoy this, your sibling, for more than 200 million years. You will still enjoy this, your sibling, for eternity. You see, you are the one now that needs to make it to the end. Your sister or your brother has made it through to the end. They're in heaven. They're in the glory world. They're jumping up and down streets of gold. Whoa, glory to God. And if we really believe God, 
then we'll take what he said about it. It, it might not have happened the way we would have wished it did, but God's word is still true. God is still a good God. Divine healing is still so. They didn't receive their healing. There was a reason. If God wants you to know why, he will tell you. Healing was God's will for them. God wanted the person healed. God did not have a special reason why the person didn't get healed. I'll tell you something. There was a time in my life I was believing God for something. It didn't quite work out the way I wanted it to have worked. Now, I knew enough about the Bible and about God to know that, no, God's word works. God's word is truth. That didn't quite work out the way I was believing for it to have worked out. I don't know why, and I'm going to leave it alone. I'm going to leave it alone. I'm not going to touch it in thought life. I'm not going to go there. I'll just leave it alone. And I left it. Do you know that like two years down the line, I knew exactly why I didn't get it that way. And then that very thing, and I got it, and I got it much, many times bigger than what I initially thought. So my faith eventually still worked. So that's the same thing I'll say about that. Okay, there's some questions I'm seeing. Yeah. Okay, in case of caregivers of a mental case patient breaking down, how can one handle that? Well, then the caregiver needs some care too. One thing is, from all the things they're going through, they need to stay healthy themselves uh, from the things that they're passing through. So they too also need care. That's just it. What about someone who believed that their lived loved ones are always around them? How can they be helped? Well, they can be helped with the Bible. The Bible says, for to me, uh, if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. You know, just read to the verses on Corinthians chapter 5 from verse 1 to verse uh, 8. Just show the person that this person has gone on to heaven. Uh, the person is not here. The person has gone on to heaven. If the person wasn't saved, the person is in hell. You know, that's a difficult one to ever tell anybody. I almost don't advise you to ever tell anybody, but it's just the truth. You know, but if someone who has died, the person has gone. In Luke 16, 19 to 31, we see a real life story. A certain rich man, clothed in purple, fine linen, fresh some thirsty every day. You know, a certain beggar named Lazarus laid at his gate full of sores, designed to be fed from the crumbs that fed from rich man's table. The dogs came and licked the sores. Came to pass that Lazarus died and was buried. Notice, and angels carried him to Abraham's bosom. He wasn't staying around. He was carried. He left. You know, yeah. the rich man also died, and he'd been in hell. So when people die, they go to heaven or to hell. So yeah. that just shows the person what the word of God says. Now, there are familiar spirits, evil spirits that know about the person, that can camouflage like the person, that can be around. If someone starts believing that their late loved one is still around, it, 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 that thinking, that belief system will open the person up to evil spirits that will impersonate the person and will be around them. Well, what about issues of infertility in marriage? This is what I'll say. First and foremost, you see, in our culture, we have an idea about, about we, we have a, a view when it comes to this that I think is unhealthy. Let me tell you something. The greatest people that I know, the greatest men that I know who walked this earth didn't have children. Jesus didn't have a physical child, a biological child. Neither did Paul, at least not that we know of. So, yeah, is it scriptural to want children? Sure. Is it okay to have children? Sure. But look, if someone doesn't have a child, it doesn't mean the person is less of a Christian. It doesn't mean the person is less of a person. There's a way our society looks down on it, makes it a big deal, makes it a bigger deal than it is. Yes, if you want children, believe God, and God will honor your faith, and you'll have children. Now, if you've been believing for a while, and the children haven't yet come, I will advise you, get medical help. Do IVF, seek medical options, Think about adoption. Think about those things. There's nothing wrong with going there. Nothing wrong. You see, it's not just your faith that will produce it. There's also your spouse's faith. And, you know, first and foremost, don't, don't let's make this thing a bigger deal than it is. You know, African culture is already making the matters, making things bad on people who are trusting God for children. Don't let's make it worse. Don't let's make it worse. Don't let's make it like, yes, it's a desire. You want that desire. We can trust God and God will come through. Having some delays, no problem. Stay in faith in God's word. Get medical help. If it's lasted for a while, get medical help. You know, think about adoption. Think about options. Praise God. You know, so that's what I'll say. That's what I'll say about that. 
and don't make it, don't wear it on your face as if, don't, I know you're feeling bad about it, but listen, it doesn't make you less a, a, a Christian. It doesn't make you less a minister. It doesn't make you less a success. It doesn't make you less anything. Doesn't, doesn't. So don't see it that way. Stay in faith and get all the medical help you need. A pastor whose wife abandoned for over three years and was told by his organization to quit pastoring. How can he be helped? And is it proper to help such a minister in his ministry after leaving his organization to quit pastoring? How can he, uh, uh, to help such a minister in his ministry after leaving his former organization? Sure. Now, if his wife left him, we should try to get reconciliation. If she doesn't want reconciliation, then they should uh, get a divorce. You know, God hates divorce, so do I. But it takes two to tango. It takes one to be a fight. If the pastor still wants the wife, but the wife doesn't want him, and the wife has moved on, and the wife is with another man, should he still stay? No, he should move on with his own life. And he should remarry. If he wants to remarry, he should remarry. It's not a sin. I recommend the book, Marriage, Divorce, Remarriage. I recommend it for the person to get. Now, if his organization thinks like that, it's not good the organization thinks like that. It's not good the organization thinks like that. It's not right thinking. But we don't want to judge the organization and condemn the organization. However, help the person, if you can help the person. The person should get involved with another organization that wouldn't condemn him because his wife left him and say that he mustn't marry. That organization be good, be a good organization. They may mean well, but that is not right thinking. That's not right thinking. First Corinthians 7. You see, this issue of marriage, divorce, and marriage, what Jesus said, we see in Matthew 19, Jesus was speaking to Jews under the law. 1 Corinthians 7 is the position of the church. Now, listen, don't hear this and say that those Roman people, they are making a case for divorce. We're not. God hates divorce, and so do I. And so does any serious-minded minister. However, every case stands in its merits. If his wife has left him, we shouldn't kill him because he has left him. If he has the call of God on his life, should he now disobey God because his wife disobeyed God? It doesn't make sense. He should move on, fulfill his call. Praise God. And there was this other question. Uh, uh, how do I handle persistent nagging fear of death? I stand on God's word and I persistently rebuke the spirit. Is there something else I need to do? Two other things I tell you you need to do. Number one, I'll first tell you a story. You know, I've, it seems I've, I've told a lot of stories today. Brother Hagen had a nagging death fear eh, of going back to the deathbed. He fought that fear for 10 years. He kept resisting it and binding it and resisting it and binding it and resisting it. He said, but he didn't get full victory over it for 10 years, from 1934 to 1944. How did he get full deliverance from that fear? I'll tell you how. He was reading a book by Lillian Humans, you know, Healing from Heaven. There's a chapter in that book, Where Does Sickness Come From? What helped Brother Higgin? He wasn't really sure where sickness comes from. So when he was now feeding on that book, and he now saw, you know, John 8, 32 says, you'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. He didn't exactly know whether it's sickness from God, it's sickness from the devil. But when he now found out from the Bible, that sickness actually comes from the devil, not from God. That was the truth that set him free. As soon as he saw that, he didn't need to bind again. He didn't need to cast. He didn't even need to do anything. He saw it and he just started jumping. Whoa, that thing is from the devil. It's from the devil. It's from the devil. It's not from God. It wasn't God that sent that paralysis. If it's, if it's not God and it's the devil and that devil has been defeated, whoa, then I have the victory already. He just saw it and that was it. So what I'll say is this, two things. Get light on the word of God. Eh? There's a place of resisting the devil, yes. You know, it's like shooting a, a, a gun. You can keep pulling the trigger, keep pulling the trigger. But sometimes it's good just to load that gun so that there are bullets there. And so you're not shooting blanks. Get into the word of God. That fear of death, find out what the word of God even says about long life. Find out what the word of God says about death. Find out what the word of God says about fear. Feed on the word of God about it. So that's the first thing I'll say you should do. Hmm? continue to stand your ground against it, but get into the word of God about it. You know, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, just keep standing your ground. It will go and it will be gone. The second thing I'll tell you is this, take some extra time to pray in the spirit about that situation. You know, sometimes, eh, you know, there's something about following the leading of God's spirit. 
There may be a move you don't you shouldn't take. There may be a trip you shouldn't take. There may be a relocation you shouldn't relocate. There may be a direction you are planning to go. And, you know, sometimes eh, there are some things that it's the devil trying to bring in. Sometimes it's God trying to show us that, look, if you go in this route, there's evil. Don't go in that route. So take time to pray in the spirit. Take time to pray in the spirit. You know, take quality time to pray in the spirit about it. If there's any change of direction you need to make, you will know. And if you, you know deep down on the inside of you, you're in the center of God's will, then it's just a case of standing against the devil. Then the third thing I'll say is this. Take natural steps. Kind of like, I believe God for long life, eh? But I change the tires of my car when they are not good. If I begin to notice a, a tire is not in top shape, immediately I change it. Yes, I believe God for protection, but I lock my house in the night when I want to sleep. You know, I believe God for protection, but I take the natural precautions. For instance, this is my face mask. I'm using face mask. I'm believing God for protection and for long life. And I'm also taking all the necessary natural precautions. So that's what I'll say to that person. Okay, can manifestations of the spirit sometimes manifest to deliver a mentally challenged person against their will? No, you can't deliver somebody against their will. The madman of Gadara, it was, there was a discerning of spirits and obviously special faith at work in getting him delivered. But you notice the man wanted to be delivered. When he came to Jesus, he, you could hear him feebly crying out for help. You can't deliver somebody against their will. You can't. You can't. Even with gifts of the Spirit, you can't. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Oh. I, I can see one here that says, how does 1 Corinthians 7, 1 apply to the believer? Thank you, sir. Well, concerning the things you have written to me, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. You know? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Now, concerning the things whereof he wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Yeah, there was a present distress. If you read the entire chapter, there was a distress that was prevalent there. And because of that present distress, it was good for them to stay single. Verse 2 says, nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. So we have to just take that in its entire context. In its entire context. Okay, so I want to know if it's very, if it's in every case of suicide that it is due to depression. Was Samson in a state of depression when he pulled the pillars down on his enemies? Good question. Actually, I believe he was depressed. You have to not be in a right mind. Look, could God have avenged him of his enemies and still preserved him? He could. He could. So he wasn't thinking straight. He wasn't thinking straight. That he was thinking that, okay, I will die with them. He wasn't thinking straight. He wasn't thinking straight. Suicide is not right. I'm not for suicide. God is against suicide. Please share some scriptures. People, especially young people, can use to fight depression, addiction, suicide thoughts. James 4, 7, resist the devil. He'll flee from you. 2 Timothy 1, 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Uh, 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 uh. Philippians 3 3, we are the circumcision that worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Philippians 4 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Colossians 1 13, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Colossians 2 10, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. All right. Uh, there's one here. I'm believing God for an employment in a particular organization. I've attended the interview, but I've not yet been called. Some of the friends whom I attended the interview together with have been employed. According to Romans 8.32 and Matthew 7.11, I confess that I have it and I shall have. But then thoughts keep flying into my head, thoughts of doubt, telling me that the job may not be God's plan for me. But I know according to the scriptures that his thoughts for me are thoughts of peace. My question is, am I in faith, even with the thoughts that fly around, that the organization is highly politicized. Let me tell you, what you really need is a good job, right? What you need is a good job. That's what you need. You've released your faith for that good job. Let God work the details out. Now, thoughts may come, they may persist, but if you refuse to put them in words or in action, 
they die unborn. So don't confess doubt. Don't confess fear. Just stay in faith. Just stay in faith and keep thanking God. What you really want is a good job. So keep thanking God for your good job. Keep thanking God for your good job. And you'll get it. Praise God. Ah. Sister Dofan, I don't know if you have any other questions. Well, good. Well, good. You've answered all the questions. Thank you so much, sir. Praise God. Yeah. Okay, we'll be winding down now. Thank you, everyone, for joining us this evening. Want to specially appreciate all our friends and our loved ones. We love you and there's nothing you can do about it. We celebrate God because one thing is sure, you have your deliverance. The boy, the boy, whose report will you believe? I know that tonight you believe the report of the Lord. And for that reason, your deliverance is established in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for staying with us. I want to encourage everyone, you know, all our friends and our family um, families joining us for the first time. We have healing school, you know, just to continue from where Reverend took stop. We have healing school every day on our premises here. We have healing school every Monday to Fridays from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. On Thursdays, we have healing school from 4.30, from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. So we, Tuesday rather. So we encourage you to come and participate in healing school and you experience more and more of God's blessing. You will enjoy good health and you'll be established in every area of your life. One more thing again, no more things rather, we have intake, um, um, Rema Bible School intake, which is in April. So I encourage you, if you are not a student, please make out time, just like Reverend Tuck said earlier on, you can actually be on site or you can join us online. Either way, but you have to be in Nigeria. So we encourage you to join us and you know enjoy the good things that God is actually doing in our life. And for you students, we encourage you, by the grace of God, you graduate and you be part of alumni like us. And um, we actually made up our mind to, you know, make this open to everyone. Um, and for our students, we want to let you know that as you graduate, you'll be part of us and you enjoy more of this than even um, what you had um, today. So I want to thank you all for staying tuned with us this evening. And then one more thing again, it's obvious we all enjoyed this section with Reverend Tooks. So we might be going for um, part two of it very soon. We'll think about it and then we'll look into it. And it's obvious more questions are coming in. We're going to take your questions and if we have access to you, we're going to send our answers to you. Reverend Tooks will answer your question and we'll forward them to you. So thank you so much. Enjoy your evening and have a good night rest. We love you and there's nothing you can do about it. Please enjoy your Valentine's Day Sunday. Have a good night rest. Bye. <laughs> All right.